This is the Mayor Greg Fisher Podcast. I'm Graham Shelby. I work in the mayor's office. Now, in a few minutes, we're going to talk with Maria Cutter. She's director of the city's Office of Sustainability. And among other things, we'll talk about what you can say to your relatives who don't believe in climate change. But right now, I'm joined by the 50th mayor of Louisville, Greg Fisher. Mayor. Happy holidays, Graham. Thank you, Mayor. Appreciate that. Um, now, there's a rumor going around the office that you're going to take some time off, some actual time off around Christmas. Can you confirm this? Graham, all that means is I will be working from home. So <laughs> there's always something going on in the city, and I've got a lot to catch up on. And No, there's a lot happening right now. Although I'll maybe try to get a few movies in. We'll have our kids in town, so that'll be fun. Because the thing, you know, often in, I've noticed in speeches or in interviews, you'll say, you have a thing that you say that's like, if you have the right team and you have the right plan and you work 20 hours a day, great things can happen. And people people laugh at that because it sounds like a joke. But those of us who work with you know that that's not really that much of a joke. <laughs> well, it's really not that healthy to work that long. I, I recognize it. But we do have a dedicated team of people that do that. But, no, we shouldn't be working 20 hours a day. Okay. Maybe 18. <laughs> <laughs> There's a lot to do. It is Christmas after all. <laughs> that's okay. right. Merry Christmas. <laughs> all right. Well, one of the things that we're working on this month is – uh, is sustainability and the release of the new uh, greenhouse yeah. gas emissions inventory. And before we get into the heart of that, I just want to talk about that a little bit in terms of, I, th- I think for a lot of people, this issue of sustainability feels pretty abstract and feels like it doesn't impact their lives immediately or isn't an immediate concern. For some people it is. But what would you say to someone who feels like that's far away from their life. Yeah, I don't get the feeling that people think it's abstract. It's just it's so big. You know, how can you make an individual impact? And, of course, that's the irony of all these things. It starts with each one of us or each one of our businesses that you have. But when we think about do we want clean air to breathe? Do we want clean water to drink? Do we understand what's coming with climate change, for instance, how it affects the agriculture of our state? We're a very agriculturally dependent state. Or when you look on TV right now and see these uh, fires uh, in engulfing Southern California right now, I mean, and put that in our own environment. We have a different environment, but it'd be like homes burning up in Shively, homes burning up in Prospect. All this is happening from climate change. So it's something that people need to say, okay, what can I do about it? And it could be as simple as, let's say, I'm going to become better at recycling. I'm going to buy a more fuel-efficient car. I'm going to listen to my kids when they lecture me about being more environmentally responsible as well. And it's these kind of little steps that you can do that lead up to big things. So an example of how all these actions roll up was we announced that our greenhouse gas emissions have been reduced by 17% since 2010. So that's a big deal for the community. Now we've got to recognize that an awful lot of that came from LG&E switching the Cane Run plant from coal to gas. So big kudos to them. Or I was at Oxmoor recently. They've installed 2,400 solar panels on the top of their mall. So again, a good example of business leadership helping with our, with our carbon footprint. Let's talk a little bit about the, the impact and the relationship between sustainability and economic development. You know, back in the day, let's say maybe a decade ago, you'd see businesses struggling with this thing. Look, I can either be profitable or I can be environmentally responsible. I don't hear that anymore. 
uh, a couple of things have happened. One, awareness of people. Two, there's been a lot of cost decrease in terms of environmental assistance, if you will, conservation-oriented activities. And then third, I saw this uh, after President Trump withdrew America from the Paris Accord. Businesses said, we are not going to withdraw our commitment. A lot of that was driven by their workforce. Workforce is saying, we're not going to work for a, a company that's environmentally irresponsible. So there's all kind of reasons why it's important and how people are getting involved to be part of the solution here so that we can have a planet that we can live on for a much longer period of time. Too often people think they're separate from nature. And we are, in fact, part of nature. And as we embrace that and make sure that our planet here's for an awfully long time, that's good for everybody, obviously. Um, tell me a little more about that. I know you have a lot of conversations with CEOs and business leaders and other elected officials. And when sustainability comes up, what are you hearing from them? Well, this is something where you've got to think mid and longer term as a business to say, you know, are we going to have a sustainable environment in which to do business? So when you think about massive disruption from climate change, that also has massive disruption then on companies, how they operate, on their employees, on quality of life. So people understand, and businesses certainly understand, that we need a stable environment to continue moving forward, both with uh, economic viability, but also then the viability of us as human beings living on the planet. So, And then people naturally understand that. So you see companies embracing our tree planting programs or companies embracing uh, air quality programs that we put on. When you think about what we've done here in Louisville with Air Louisville or uh, the Green Heart Project, you know, Louisville is becoming a leader in, in approaches to the environment and medicine. Our Air Louisville Project, where we have 1,200 citizen scientists, volunteers that have their asthma inhalers equipped with the GPS device, so we understand where people are using their inhalers and then what we can do about that by changing traffic patterns or introducing vegetative uh, buffers like we did across from Oxmoor in front of St. Margaret Mary and that reduces the toxins in the air and it reduces greenhouse gas emissions as trees absorb a lot of that CO2. So we're doing a lot of really interesting and novel things not just for our city but for the world as it relates to our environment. Do you feel like the private sector has moved ahead of the public sector by and large in this debate in this with this issue? No, the public sector uh, started kind of leading. You can see that, for instance, in the standards that we put on our own buildings with white roofs and green roofs. Uh, but the private sector has said, hey, we're all into this as well. So the public-private partnerships frequently now are what we see that are quite interesting. So our Air Louisville project is an example, the Green Heart project, the project with St. Margaret Mary uh, with the vegetative buffer on Shelbyville Road. These are all examples of people working together uh, to improve our environment. And People embrace it. I, I see that it's common sense to everybody, whether you are an urban dweller or whether you're a hunter. I mean, you see the changes in the environment, and you kind of sense as a human being, this is not good. we got to get our stability back. There is a challenge lately when President Trump says we're going to withdraw from the Paris Accord, but you saw immediate blowback on that, not just from the business community, but from the mayors of the country as well. So... Uh, our city is signatory with many cities around the world in the global covenant of mayors, 7,500 cities across the globe saying we're going to take responsibility for climate change. And the first step in that is to take an inventory of our current greenhouse gas emissions. So 
that has been accomplished. Uh, you've seen the 17% reduction that we've had since 2010. And now the next step is to set another reduction goal. So we'll be spending 2018 in the community uh, speaking with different folks, understanding what companies, what houses of worship, so what individuals are doing to reduce their greenhouse gas emissions, and we'll come up with a community-wide goal. What are some of the things that Louisville Metro government itself is doing to reduce greenhouse gas emissions? You know, Metro government is doing a lot to reduce our greenhouse gas emissions in our buildings, in our fleet, and our operations. We've got all kinds of programs, the Go Green Loan Program, EPAD Cool Roof Incentive Program, Housing Rehab housing rehab program, lead building commitments. We have solar now in seven city buildings, uh, bike lanes, better sidewalks, Louvello, the shared bike uh, system in our community. The plastic bag ban for yard waste is a big deal. So if you want to learn more about this, you can go to louisvilleky.gov and click on sustainability, and it will take you to the many programs that we have available. Mm -hmm. We just want to make it easy for everybody to get involved. And just a little reminder to everybody that when you think about emissions breakdowns, the bulk of it comes from heating and cooling and powering buildings, almost 70%. And then 20% comes from transportation, so the need to have uh, more environmentally friendly uh, vehicles. And then 5% comes from waste uh, decomposition at the landfill, uh, so the need to recycle more. And then wastewater treatment options uh, consumes quite a bit of energy, and we've done a really nice job in the past couple of years consolidating that and reducing our emissions. How do we compare to other cities? Well, I like to compare ourselves to the cities that have signed on to the Global Covenant of Mayors because they're the leading cities. So there's a lot of variation in between those cities. Let's say if you're a city that has hydropower as your primary source of energy, you're going to be low, and the way that that's measured is by something called the tons of carbon dioxide equivalents per capita. So Seattle, for instance, with all their hydropower is at 5.2. When you come to this region of the country, Columbus, Ohio is 13.3, Louisville's at 18.9, Nashville's at 20.1, St. Louis is at 22.9. So we're kind of about average, uh, which is not something that we aspire to be. Uh, but the good work that people are doing in the community, what LG&E has done by switching from coal-fired to gas-fired plants are big steps, and we hope, obviously, to see a lot more of that so we can reduce our emissions. You mentioned a number of different programs that the city is, has started. You started the Office for Sustainability when you came in in 2011. Talk about the thinking behind establishing an office focused exclusively on that and why you put it inside Louisville Forward. When, when I looked at the structure of Metro government, it was important that we had a dedicated focus just on sustainability. So we created the Office for Sustainability so that we could understand, one, where we're at today with sustainable initiatives, greenhouse gas emissions, et cetera, but then where do we want to go tomorrow and today? So you've seen a lot of efforts roll out of that. Uh, also a big step for us is when we became a member of the 100 Resilient Cities by the Rockefeller Foundation, uh, we're one of 100 cities all around the world that are involved with this to build a more resilient city. Uh, we're focusing not just on environmental resilience, but also on human resilience as part of that. So uh, we're a lot more focused than what we were before. I think that sends an important message, not just to our citizens, but to the business community on how it's everybody's responsibility. And I can tell you, uh, future forward, 
businesses that are growing want to be in a city that's environmentally focused. And good young talent wants to be working with businesses that are environmentally focused. You've mentioned several programs the city's part of. Is there one that you're especially proud of? Well, not just one program, but I'm pleased that sustainability and resilience are part of the everyday discussion here at Metro and when we think about policy uh, as well and when we talk with our businesses and workforce. So it's integrated into what we do every day at Metro Government, and I think that's where it needs to be. Mayor, thanks very much for your time. Okay, Graham. Thank you. So if you're listening to this, I'm going to take it on faith that sustainability is a priority for you. It's something you believe in. Of course, that doesn't mean that the same holds true for everybody in your family, everybody you're going to be, say, spending time with over the holidays. I know that's true for me. And sometimes the issue comes up and it's a conversation and sometimes an uncomfortable conversation and one in which I feel like I need more information. And so that's why we have our next guest here. Maria Cutter is the director of the Office of Sustainability for the City of Louisville. Maria, thanks for joining us. You're welcome. Thanks for having me. Sure. Good to see you, Graham. Thank you. So a lot of us, when we gather over the holidays, we're going to be spending time with relatives, wonderful people, but people who have not embraced sustainability uh, in their own lives necessarily or in the uh, as a priority for people they support in elections. So do you have people like this in your own family? Yeah, I mean, I think um, there's folks that I run across that, you know, are maybe of that of that mindset. And yeah, I mean, I think there's folks in the family that maybe aren't 100% as on board as I tend to be. Well, you're pretty on board. You're, you're like the conductor of the sustainability train um, powered by magnets. So, so the question I have for you, though, is when we're, when this comes up, what are some of the main points that you make to people who, when you're in conversation, people who don't get it, as it were, people mm-hmm. who haven't embraced this, what are the things they need to know? What are the things we can say to people when we're in these conversations? Mm-hmm. Just mm-hmm. basic things. Yeah. So, I mean, I think that I, I'd like to start by coming up with something that we can all agree upon. And uh, one example would be the concept that when businesses or organiza- or companies produce goods or materials that we all need and we consume every day, um, they have emissions that come along through the, the creation of those products. And and prior to the Clean Air Act, there was no limits to what could be emitted. And then what we found was there were negative health impacts from that, so air pollution and water pollution. And what we want to get to is, you know, the fact that we all agree that companies shouldn't be allowed to pollute indiscriminately either the air or the water. And usually everybody agrees with that. So I think starting with a point that everybody can get on board with, yeah, we, we want these goods and services or goods and materials materials that are produced by these companies. And yes, they're going to have emissions, but we want to be able to say that they need to be at a level that doesn't harm, you know, people's health or the environment. And then the other side of that is sort of trying to find a piece that they can latch on to. So, you know, for example, at home, I keep my thermostat pretty low in the winter because I don't mind bundling up a little bit. 
And, you know, the good piece is it saves money. And there can be a significant savings between uh, running your furnace at 72 versus 68. So I can say, well, do you want to keep your, your bills low? Do you want to save money at home? And then they say yes, so that's great. And then on my mind, I'm thinking, oh, great. So we're reducing greenhouse gas emissions from Louisville's mainly cool fueled energy. So you can come at it in a couple different ways. You know, look at what you can agree upon. And then even if they may not care about greenhouse gas emissions, you can appeal to the pocketbook and say, well, why don't you, you know, don't you want to save money? Mm-hmm. And that sometimes gets them on board with your, at least the end goal of sustainability. So recently, the city completed an inventory of greenhouse gases. Uh, Talk about why we did this and what we found. Mm -hmm. So it's really important to assess your greenhouse gas emissions. Uh, One of the key reasons that we did it is because um, Mayor Fisher signed on to the Global Covenant of Mayors in, in April of 2016. So the first step in participation in this effort um, is to do a greenhouse gas inventory. Uh, The reason you want to know that is because greenhouse gas emissions contribute to climate change and when we signed on to that we became part of a global commitment to keep our greenhouse gas emissions at a certain level to also then keep the climate change and the warming uh, globally to below two degrees Celsius. Okay. And so what was the what did we find? Right. So we had good news in our study. We compared 2010 as our baseline year. So we we collected the data from 2010 and we compared it to 2016. And we saw a 17 percent reduction in greenhouse gas emissions um, when comparing those two years. 17. So we're 17 percent less greenhouse gas. Yes. Yes. So that's that's good. That's That's the good direction. That's what you want to see. And what contributed to that? Well, there's a few different things. Uh, what we are seeing is that um, the utility, Louisville Gas and Electric, converted one of their electric generating facilities from coal to natural gas. So that is turns out to be having a really large contribution to reduce greenhouse gas emissions in Louisville. Um, over 50% is safe to say that of that 17% reduced greenhouse gas emissions is attributable to that change from coal to natural gas mm. at the electric generating facility. Your office, the Office of Sustainability, is part of Louisville Forward, which is the city's economic development arm. Talk a little bit about the relationship between sustainability and economic development, because I I feel like sometimes people who, uh, sometimes the anti-sustainability folks will try to pit the one against the other and say that you can't, if you if you want sustainability, you're going to compromise economic development as if they are mutually exclusive. Mm -hmm. What's your perspective on that? Yeah, I think sustainability is absolutely good for business. Um, You know, one example is by being more energy efficient. You know, when you're more energy efficient, you reduce your energy bills. So, you know, it's no surprise that you see businesses all around uh, the world. And even in Louisville, you see tons of businesses that want to be more energy efficient because it simply saves money. So that's a huge driver. So saving money is a big driver. Um, When businesses have uh, less cost of energy, then that means more money that they can reinvest back into their company or profits or any way you want to look at it. So from just that one example, it makes sense. Um, Another example where you see businesses uh, 
really supporting sustainability is through recycling because you can sometimes make money off sending materials to a recycling center and then you reduce the amount of money that you're paying to send materials to the landfill. So when materials are recycled, obviously you give those materials a second chance, uh, a second life, if you will, um, and that reduces the need for virgin materials such as new plastic or new aluminum um, in cans because you're getting a chance to reuse those materials again and make similar materials out of them versus when you landfill materials, they get buried and they stay there for decades, hundreds of years in many cases. So the companies save money through recycling. Have the conversations you have with community partners, like in the business community, for example, have, how have those evolved over the course of the last few years? Mm -hmm. Yeah, in many cases, the business community is leading the way because what we see is people that um, companies that want to be more sustainable, they want to draw in the younger, and sometimes the younger people are the more savvy around the environment, and they will choose to take a job at a company that has a good environmental commitment. So it's being driven in a lot of cases by employees because they want to work for employers that have that strong corporate commitment to sustainability. Now globally, uh, companies such that, that have a global presence, and of course companies that are in Louisville that are global, some of our Fortune 500s, they have huge commitments to sustainability um, towards reducing waste. Um, so for example, Brown Foreman, they have looked at their packaging of all their bottles because glass is fragile. So if they have fewer uh, glass breaks in their products, then that saves them that money and reduces the purchasing that they have to do to package their bottles and make the bottles and all these kinds of things. Um, so there's a lot of examples of companies that have global commitments to sustainability for many different reasons, saving money, reducing materials, reducing waste, and attracting and retaining that top talent. Maria, if I were to tell you that um, in order to tell you that I don't believe that climate change is real, what would you say to me? Yeah, well, um, it, you know, I first would be very confused as to why you are not believing it. But I think, you know, coming back to the actual data, we have global data that shows that temperatures are warming. And the data shows that these are the result of man-made emissions. So greenhouse gas emissions that are man-made are causing climate change on a global scale. And the evidence is there, you know, we have glacial melting faster than ever before that's ever se been seen. We have permafrost melting, um, all these kinds of things that wouldn't be happening otherwise. So the facts are the facts. All right. Maria Cutter is director of the city's Office of Sustainability. Thanks for listening to the Mayor Greg Fisher podcast. Our producer is Joe Lord. Our next episode will be a 2017 year in review in Louisville. If you have a question you'd like to send us, go to our webpage, louisvilleky.gov slash Mayor Greg Fisher podcast. You can submit your question there. While you're there, you can also listen to previous episodes, and there's information on how to subscribe to the podcast, which we heartily endorse through Google Play, Stitcher, Apple Podcasts, etc. Once again, thanks for listening. I'm Graham Shelby, and this is the Mary Greg Fisher Podcast. From a sustainability perspective, is it better to have an artificial Christmas tree 
or a real one? Or does it not really matter? <laughs> yeah, some people have strong uh, pre personal preferences one way or the other. But when we look at the life cycle, what we see is, and this is a, sort of a nationally agreed upon thing, is that the, actually the artificial trees are better for the environment. Um, there's a couple reasons. Uh, firstly is because you can use that year after year after year. So it's sort of like recycling. You know, it gets a second life, and then you're not purchasing something new. Um, then when you compare it to a real tree, uh, firstly, you're taking away something that has good environmental impact through cleaning the air, absorbing stormwater, and all those things. So you want to leave the trees where they are, let them grow and do their thing to protecting the environment, because, you know, those things things can be depleted. Whereas if you buy the artificial tree, you can use it year after year after year.